When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast, and today we're going to do something um, a little bit different. Today we're in conversation with history teacher Siobhan Provaska, who is going to be discussing with us um, Hallie Rubenhold's brilliant book, The Five, um, the uh, victims of um, Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders, uh, explored within their kind of social context. It's a really interesting, challenging book, and it's generated... Um, a a lot of attention uh, and some controversy uh, recently, Uh, and Siobhan is going to discuss with us the um, importance of this book, particularly in uh, teaching uh, about uh, the 19th century, in discussing gender, uh, and in uh, modern kind of classroom practice uh, as well. And um, so, uh, without further ado, uh, let's go over to Siobhan and uh, hear... Um, a little bit about her experience. Okay, so here we have uh, Siobhan Provaska on the show, um, and uh, we're just going to start by discussing a little bit uh, about uh, her chosen book, The Five, by uh, Hallie Rubenhold. Um, okay, so Siobhan, you uh, have chosen this book to uh, to discuss on the show. What's what's uh, really appealed to you about it? What's been your the thing that you've uh, gained most from? Uh, well, when I first picked up um, the five, um, I didn't—I don't really know that much about um, the women that were murdered by Jack the Ripper at all. And as I taught it as part of the Whitechapel unit at GCSE, I thought I should probably learn a bit more about it. And I was sort of blown away by the book completely. What does the book tell us uh, about um, the the world of Whitechapel in the eighteen nineties? She really sets the scene completely for what it was like, especially for these um, lower class people living in Whitechapel. Um, she has descriptions of the workhouses, especially, um, and how they sort of overshadow everyone's life and everyone's involved. Mm-hmm. Um, in, everyone's aware of, of what these workhouses are like and they, they overshadow your life sort of thing. Um, she talks a lot about the Peabody estate as well and just exactly what you had to do to be able to live in this in this new estate in Whitechapel um, and just gives amazing details about the everyday life of the people that were there as well. Yeah, 
yeah. Do you think that in our, because um, there's a sort of like a subsection of where kind of uh, popular history meets true crime and there's in, in there is an obsession with, with Jack the Ripper. Do you feel that in that kind of focus on, you know, who was he, you know, who, which murders did he do, which murders did he, did he not do, all these kind of debates and nuances, the, um, the, the, the history itself, particularly the social history, tends to kind of get lost in all of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so refreshing that she's chosen to not speculate at all about Jack the Ripper, but just focus on these women. Mm. And they're sort of a lens through which you learn so much more about society as a whole. Yeah. Um, and just do away with, with the sort of glamorization of Jack the Ripper. Um, it's brilliant, and she's got so much stick on the internet for what she's done, but it's so worthwhile. Yeah, that's interesting, and it's worth talking about that. The, uh, I mean, I, I don't really want to kind of dwell on sort of what internet trolls do or don't say because it's normally kind of sort of completely irrelevant. But it's interesting that this this level of vitriol for what is basically a work of social history has come up. Why do you think people have become so animated and so angry about her approaching uh, the Whitechapel murders in this way? Um, I have to say, um. Heather Rubenhall did post recently on Twitter that she thinks um, that women writing about women is not taken as seriously as men writing about women. And um, I do think that having looked through some of her sort of reviews on Amazon and some of the comments she gets on Twitter and things, there's a lot of angry men who have a set view of Jack the Ripper who are just calling her a feminist. And I wonder, like, a feminist rant and um, things like that. So... I think it's a lot of people, especially fans of Jack the Ripper, have a very set way of yeah. viewing history that they don't want to change whatsoever. It's one of those things as feminist. You say that as if it's a bad thing, you know. <laughs> sort of, um, That's what the reviewer has, has um, said. I was just looking at one review this morning um, that's titled "A Feminist Rant and Nothing More." Um, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting way to put it. But they do, they do sort of say it as if it's a bad thing when it's yeah. obviously nothing of the thought. Well, it, it's also, it, it brings us into an, another area of, of discussion in that um, uh, the, ex- the extent to which the kind of academic history and popular history is the, to some extent, the preserve of men. Not that that's a kind of a, a, a positive thing, but that men tend to colonise uh, most history writing. Uh, if you take a walk through Waterstones, you'll find the way in which the past is told out overwhelmingly is told by uh, male historians. Um, and the, um, the idea that, I mean, I, I think it's just basically true that women's history um, is told predominantly by male, male historians male authors because predominantly history is told by male historians and and authors um and that has to do that surely has some significant effect uh, on the way in which excuse me on the way in which historical narratives are eventually uh, kind of disseminated to to a wider public um i can't think now of of a um a significant um, something as significant uh, as the five um, that's that's has kind of come on the market in sort of for history books in, in the last few years, really. 
Um, and that the fact that it's a kind of real standout, I suppose, kind of tells you something, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's um, I think there is a change happening, and it's just taking a little while to trickle down. Yeah. Um, I think it comes from you know the people, the generation above me, who were taught by people, the generation above them, who taught this history that they were taught. In the you know, it's it's history is like slowly changing as each generation looks at it yeah. in a slightly different place. Um, and I think. Um, Hallie Rubenhall's book is one of ma- many um, great books written by female historians, but that, yes, traditionally um, there has been more written by men. And I, I think there's a statistic as well that, that men are more likely to pick up a book written by a man and a woman is more likely to pick up a book, regardless of the gender of the author, which perpetuates the fact that more men get read than women. Yeah. Is the book, um, The Five, is it as much about social class as it is about gender? Yeah, there's a lot of consideration there with class as well. Um, Obviously, she's focusing on Whitechapel and focusing on um, what it's like to be um, at the bottom end of that class spectrum. Mm. Um, But it does incorporate uh, the fact that these these women and women unlike them were sort of, had the sort of um, double problem of being female and being poor because even even in their own households they would have been regarded as less important than their male counterparts because they were never going to get the same wage so they were never going to be given the same education um it it was the double thing that they were dealing with yeah and um uh, again these sort of intersections of, of class and gender uh often get kind of uh kind of overlooked um, there was uh, some very interesting writing that I, I came across um, earlier uh, this year uh, by the um, Ed, sort of Victorian kind of Edwardian uh, economist J.A. Hobson. And he, he basically um, said that uh, to um, the, the kind of like the, the Victorian bourgeoisie that they didn't need to uh, read about kind of Livingston's uh, expeditions in Africa if they wanted to find a strange, exotic, bizarre, uh, frightening and dark and dangerous uh, world. Uh, they needed to go about sort of three miles up the Thames to the east end of London. And what I think part of the appeal of the world of Jack the Ripper is that the, that this world was strange and unknown and hidden and exotic and weird, um, Particularly because the the kind of the ladies and gentlemen of polite society didn't really like to go there, uh, and it's a, a kind of a a place where seemingly the rules are, are are different. And I think what happens, and it happens here in the twenty first century, is that the the poor go through this process of being othered. They are this kind of um, sa- savage sort of foreign foreign body. Do you get a sense of that in, in the book? Yeah, you do, absolutely. Um, as I, I think uh, Hallie Rubenhold points out that the police make these inferences and decisions um, to regard these women all as prostitutes because in Victorian society they don't really have a distinction between unmarried women with children or women that have left their partners or women that are homeless and prostitutes you know all falls into the same sort of umbrella um if you're poor and you're a woman you just you're all the same um and she gives lots and lots of evidence about 
about that uh, being present in in Victorian London. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And for um, the, the benefit of those who might not have read the book... Um, which of uh, of the five women were they all could they all have been classed as sex workers or is that is it a very ambiguous as as to uh, as to that at all is that a kind of a, a very weak claim it is a very weak claim there's three that there's no evidence at all um that they were um and the the last the last woman who was killed Mary Jane Kelly she she was a prostitute and that's recorded on her um, death certificate as well um, but three of them weren't and to the extent where um, for example Mary Ann Polly Nichols um, when her friend um, was questioned at the coroner's inquest as to whether whether Polly had been a prostitute um, she denied it as did her father and her husband who she was estranged from um so not only was there no evidence but there was a lot of evidence to the contrary as well yeah and so was it something that uh uh, kind of a part of the 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 myth really of um the whitechapel murders um this kind of extra sort of salacious aspect of it that was um i i would imagine perhaps propagated by the popular press at the time yeah, it was absolutely um, propagated by the press. I also think there's a really strong argument that when you label women as prostitutes, there's a sort of social undertone that you can care less about them. Yeah. And I think in the case of Jack the Ripper, it works um, quite well because you're you're only really able to glamorise Jack the Ripper as a sort of sensational, interesting um, persona to focus on if you can stop regarding the women he brutally murdered as human beings um so i think it's something that that happened then 130 odd years ago and continues to happen now and in fact when i introduce um the students in my year 10 class to the victims of jack the ripper the first thing i do is get up some sources um from um various places uh to talk about the victims of jack the ripper and you start off with um i start off with 
Britannia, um, the Encyclopedia Britannia, who their online section immediately lists all five women as prostitutes, followed by BBC History, um, which uh, talks about all the women murdered were prostitutes, except and all for, except one were horribly mutilated. And then um, we sort of look at how we can why this history is relevant because this is the thing that people know about Jack the Ripper more than anything else mm. is that he killed prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, in in our time, you saw um, a, a a version of this with the, the horrible uh, Norwich murders. Um, must have been about sort of ten or fifteen years ago, where the BBC, uh, the first thing they said about these women um, was that they were somebody's wife or daughter or or mother, uh, but they were all prostitutes. And it's like, well, you know, if they would all happen to be pork butchers, would we be kind of using using that as as, as in the same way? Um, and it is a kind of a way of of that process of of othering, but it's also a kind of a, a gendered othering as well. It's uh, you know these women are uh, prostitutes, um, and in some way, uh, as you say, it makes it kind of makes them slightly less sympathetic victims. These sort of perhaps should have known better or been at home with their husbands or or, or what have you. Um, and that again, it throws up some very interesting questions about how we talk about gender then and how we talk about gender now as well. Um, and what's what's the response from your students? I mean, how how do they engage with that? I mean, they were able to draw parallels. Um, I didn't talk to, about Steve Wright to them, although I think Steve Wright's case in Ipswich is a really interesting one. Um, before I became a teacher I used to work in television and I actually worked on um some serial killer documentaries and um things like that and I I actually made a program about Steve Wright and um I must apologize to the listeners by the way I said Norwich though it's not his Ipswich I you know if you're listening in Norwich I'm I'm sorry but anyway uh, sorry please shove on yeah, no, it was, um, I think he's a really interesting one. And in fact, Hallie Rubenhold quotes the judge in that hearing in her sort of conclusion section of the book, because the judge says, um, the loss of these five lives is clearly a tragedy. You may view with some distaste the lifestyle of those involved. Whatever drugs they took, whatever work they did, no one is entitled to do these women any harm, let alone kill them. And it's the fact that the judge has to remind the jury not to be prejudiced against these women because they were prostitutes. Yeah. And uh, having worked on a number of um, shows about different serial killers, a lot in America as well, it does tend to be prostitutes that get killed because it's very easy to get complete strangers to get into your car. Mm. And they certainly are... um, It does make it easier for the media in general to report on them in a completely different way. Um, But it's also something the students could could link to other cases sort of like Brock Turner mm-hmm. um uh and sort of other ways in which we regard violence against women even even now mm-hmm. uh, one final way I think of of looking at uh, the Whitechapel murders and I think this isn't a, a new way of looking at it at all is but you can look at it through the lens of kind of like a media history um the the speculation are as to who the killer was revealed a number of different prejudices prejudices from kind of class prejudices to anti-semitism um the kind of the influx of um uh, russian jewish migrants into the east end in the 1890s um left 
many many sort of anti-Semitic uh, newspaper columnists imagining that it must have been some terrible Russian Jew doing it. Um, but also now the the other field of uh, the other way of looking at it through the kind of the the, the lens of media history is again looking at uh, how um, the media. Uh, the newspapers at the time and the the, the penny press um, uh, represented and and misrepresented um, the, the 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 victims, and it's a, I guess it sort of is a real um, snapshot of um, you know, class and gender prejudices at the time. But again, it, it's a kind of a mirror to our own times, where um, the way in which our media talks about poor people and the way in which our media talks about gender is hasn't really changed very much at all, I guess. Um, so, if you were going to um, place this book in your kind of uh, top three reads of the year, what, what other things, well, what, what, what would be the other two that you would take with you on your kind of history book, Desert Island? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think of what I've read recently especially that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, I'm currently reading The Contested Plains by Elliot West, um, which is about um, sort of um, America in the 1800s, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. And I have to say, I'm not completely all the way through that, but I am loving that so far. Okay. And then um, Mark Morris. Um, I'm reading um, Mark Morris's book on the Norman Conquest at the moment, which I'm also loving. Brilliant. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, just having a very quick chat with us, Siobhan. And hopefully, uh, perhaps when you've got um, through your, your backlog of books, you'll pop back on the, on the podcast sometime in the future and we can uh, talk more about, you know, history, reading, pedagogy and, and all the rest. Um, I, for one, am going to uh, order my copy of, uh, of The Five by Hallie Rubenhold, available in all good bookshops. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just hope that this is uh, perhaps the, the, the beginning of a trend of um, more cases of um, gender histories being rewritten and re-examined in a kind of a, a broader context. Absolutely, and I would plug anyone out there listening who wants history recommendations to join the History Teachers Book Club on Twitter, where we pick books fairly regularly and read them all together and have discussions. It's okay. great, and I'll, I will uh, I'll, I'll post this in uh, post this this podcast in that group. Okay, thanks very much, Siobhan, and great to chat with you, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Take good care. Thanks. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 